Hello all and welcome to a very special episode of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. My guest today is none other than Mariana Voss. She's one of the most decorated riders of all time and a proper bona fide superstar of our sport. And to be honest with you, I was a little bit nervous starting the interview, but she was very nice and put me nicely at ease. She's had a cracking start to the 2021 season with her Jumbo Visma teammates, and we all know her as a true all-rounder, a champion of anything she puts her hand to. But how well does she know her hometown of Den Bosch's coat of arms? And if she could only be paid in cake, what sort of cake would she choose? Now, there's only one place to find out, folks, so pop off your clogs, find somewhere comfortable to perch, relax, and enjoy the pod. Hello, and welcome. Are you ready? Because it's that time again Matt Stevens unplugged by Sigma Sports Mariana Voss is a legend. She's been compared to Eddie Merckx and it's easy to see why, given her frankly jaw-dropping Palmares. Now riding with Jumbo Visma, she's already added the Amstel Gold Race and Ghent Wevelgum to a catalogue of victories, which include, I might add, three World Road Championships, two Olympic gold medals, countless stage wins on the Women's Giro, as well as two GC wins outright. She's won La Course and a whole bunch of other victories that any mere mortal would class as a career highlight. But have these victories brought her happiness? In our interview, we chat about the importance of enjoying everyday life, the development of women's cycling in recent years, and the merits of using cake as currency. Check it out. Well, Marianne Voss, thank you so much for coming on the Matt Stevens Unplugged podcast. Um, so what I'd like you to, you to do, if you don't mind, is just for the listener, can you just tell us exactly where in the world you are and what you can see immediately around you? Oh, well, at the moment I'm in the Sierra Nevada uh, for an altitude training camp with my team Jumbo Visma. And at the moment I'm behind my desk in my uh, room Behind me is my bed, uh, and in front of me is the window, and I'm looking out on the, uh, well, actually on a beautiful day, uh, on, a, on a mountain. On, on the left, I see a piece of snow, and on the right, I see the city of Granada. Beautiful, beautiful. That's Thanks for setting the scene so well. So have you been uh, riding this morning, or are you on a day off today? Yeah, we had a we have a day off, but I've been riding. We have we have had a, a small coffee ride. Um, we went a little bit more up from here. This is two thousand three hundred meters, and we went up about until about three thousand, and then uh, we went down again. Had a had a small coffee, and then uh, yeah, for the rest of the day, some more rest and uh, preparation for uh, for the next block of training. So how how long are you going to be spending at altitude? Then I I, I did see something on your Instagram. It's, is it like a three or four week camp? Yeah, uh, it's a three week camp. Yeah. So I've I've done altitude training camps before, and yeah, and I'm usually do around three weeks. That that feels good, uh, adapting wise, training wise, and um, yeah. So actually i'm uh, I'm pretty happy with this uh, this block so far, and I hope to be good for for the next block of racing of course I mean you've had a fantastic season so far um adding Ghent Wavelgum, Amstel gold to your palmares. Are you kind of pretty satisfied with the way things have have gone so far this season yeah i'm I'm very happy with the 
with how the season went so far. And of course, there's still a lot to come, but uh, the spring spring campaign has been, uh, yeah, very satisfying. Um, of course, for a new team, it's all also, uh, yeah, I was also a little bit nervous uh, how things would play out and um, yeah, how how I would feel myself in the races. But um, yeah, with with two wins in Gent Wilbergem and in uh, uh, Amsterdam Gold, uh, yeah, of course, uh, <laughs> I was very happy with uh, with this campaign and uh, yeah, that gives a lot of motivation and. Uh, and yeah, of course, also a lot of uh, happiness uh, for adding those those yeah big races to uh, to the list. It must have been absolutely magnificent to win Amstel Gold. Obviously, a race that's not too far from from where you live. What was, sum up the kind of feeling of of actually winning such a prestigious race and adding that one to your uh, to your rather big list of Palmares. Um. Well, when Amstel Gold race. Uh, was first back uh, on the on the calendar for for women. Um, of course, as a as a Dutch rider, um, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a challenge to 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 do well, and you really want to yeah uh, perform well there. And especially now in a in a Dutch team, um, yeah, we were all we were all excited to to raise and uh, and make something uh, good of it. And then yeah, to in the end. Uh, being able to win when actually uh, the win looked far, far away, uh, even in the last kilometer or last two kilometers. Um, yeah, then of course, uh, yeah, it was a an, an unreal feeling to cross the line first, um, and then yeah, it's 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 just uh, yeah, it's I have to admit, of course. Um, there have been more wins in the past, but it's still a fantastic feeling when, uh, yeah, when when such a such a race turns out like this way and you cross the line first. I mean, how are you able to kind of? Do you reflect much on your victories? Because obviously, after Amstel, you moved on a few days later to Flesh Wallon and then Liège Bastogne Liège. But how much time do you take to kind of enjoy these moments of, of victory? Because in the kind of in sport, quite often there's not a lot of time that's taken to reflect on victory. It's always m- moving onwards to the next the next goal. As you've got kind of more mature and you've moved through your career, do you really savor these moments a little bit more, or do, or are you eager to then move on to the next one? Well, it, it's true that there is always a next thing to to look to, to look forward to and and um, to focus on. Um, but I, I think I, I learned to savor these moments a little bit more. And I also learned to enjoy, um, the preparation and, and, and yeah, the lead into these kind of races more. So it, it's not that I'm only focusing on the race or the result itself. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm also trying to enjoy just the daily life as a cyclist. And, um, yeah, I find it, a, a pretty uh, privileged life uh, and of course it's not always easy and sometimes it's even pretty hard but um, I think yeah, in, in this way uh, over the years I learned to enjoy this more and then yeah of course still a race there is some pressure um, but yeah that's also what you work for uh, what you will do it for and um, yeah then of course when when things work out this well and 
uh, everything clicks and it, it makes for a, for a victory or a, for a team result, then there's some happiness at the moment. And uh, yeah, I, I really uh, do enjoy that. Uh, but then afterwards, of course, then with this uh, happiness, it's it's also uh, more easy to make the, the switch to the next focus point because yeah, you feel very uh, motivated to uh, to go on. Well, let's take this opportunity then um, to go back in time a little bit, if you don't mind. So what's your, I know you started riding when you were really young, but what's your first true memory of, of riding a bike, Mariana? Well, oh, my f- <laughs> of riding a bike, well, as a, as a Dutch, of course, that, that must be a pretty early memory because uh, we ride bikes uh, like we walk nearly, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, well, first first race bike. I think that's that's my first memory at the local club uh, when I joined uh, their trainings on the Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. And um, as a six-year-old, um, yeah, I joined uh, some of the older kids, and of course, it was pretty exciting to ride with them. And and actually, one of the first memories is a crash <laughs> okay. because I went to too fast into a corner and I kept pedaling and then well of course I hit the ground and rode straight into a tree um right but yeah of of course um well I, luckily I didn't have too much too much of uh, damage and I could continue so what was it that I well I understand was it your brother Anton who's a couple of years older was it was it seeing him racing that really inspired you and and want and you kind of had this desire to to just try it out was was that the kind of origins of, of what started the ball rolling for you Yeah I think it worked like that yeah my dad and and my brother they went to the to the local club to do the trainings on the on the closed circuit and yeah and every now and then I joined them to to watch but um, climbing trees and, well, playing hide and seek with the other kids uh, around the course, yeah, was okay. Uh, I mean, I found it li- nice, but I also want, wanted to join the, join the other kids on the bike. So that's yeah. um, when my parents got got me the tiniest bike that I could that they could find. And do you know? Do you remember the name of the bike? Uh, it was um. Whew. Um. Yeah, I should should remember. Um, um, I, it should be a bit brunetti or something. Well, it was. Okay. It, well, I I remember the color. <laughs> it was green. Uh, a green, okay, green, okay, fantastic. So, uh, so when did you? You obviously got you enjoyed you you enjoyed kind of your experience of riding as a very young age. But when did you start to realize? Obviously, as your success grew, when did you start to realize that? Okay, this this could be something. This is something I definitely want to do. When at what point in your life did that happen? Well, I, I just really like to do sports, and I always yeah uh, wanted to to play outside, and I did some speed skating as a as a as a, as a Dutch, and some inline skating in the summer. Um, okay. But yeah, riding my bike was actually always the most favorite thing to do and then as a junior um i came into the the, the dutch national uh, uh, team so i yeah, could could join some uh, trainings and i could also do some some more uh some bigger races some international races and then yeah when 
I got selected for for the world championships. Then probably that was the first moment. Then I thought, hey, this is something I really want to do. Something uh, I probably um, have some some natural uh, talents for, and yeah, maybe this is something that I can do for for a little longer, um, especially after uh, yeah the the first world championships we did in Verona in uh, two thousand and four. And um, and kind of what, what were the first steps then? I, I take it you were supported kind of by your parents in, in the first few years? Yeah, definitely. Of course, they, uh, they were, uh, yeah, well, my parents were very important and they uh, <laughs> they had to bring me everywhere. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very thankful and grateful they, they did that and they spent so many hours in, in the car driving my brother and me around for trainings and races and... Um, yeah, for for me, it, it never felt they they uh, had problems or they didn't really want to do it. They 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 spend their weekends and their their evening their free evenings in uh, in in the week uh, for us uh, being able to do our sports and um, yeah, I think looking back on that period, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful because back then I thought that was uh, the thing they would normally do. But uh, of course, now I realize it was uh, something very special. And um, yeah, well, later on, of course, you uh, you can can drive yourself and uh, then you get into uh, professional teams and you don't need their... Uh, uh, daily support anymore but I, I know they're still my biggest fans and they're still there uh, if I yeah if I need any help did, and when did because I've seen uh, your parents at some events with like a little camper van just following around is that is that still something when did that appear first on the scene um well well first it wasn't wasn't even a camper van it was more <laughs> more of a small uh, a, a minibus but um, yeah then yeah, then later it got a camper van and it appeared I think from from my yeah under yeah under under eighteen um, and then uh, yeah that continued especially in cyclocross uh, I think it was uh, we were we were one of the first turning up with the, with the camper van it was pretty special yeah. Um, and yeah they've they've always been. Uh, supporting me and following me around and even now uh, of course last year has been pretty difficult traveling but um, when when there is the possibility now they uh, yeah they will will go and uh, and drive and, uh, and follow the races um c- can i ask you how um, I, i'm ho- i hope it's just around how is uh, is it skiaki your little cat is that well Shecky died so yeah oh, no yeah. i'm so sorry yeah, yeah. oh no yeah so she's uh, she's not traveling with us anymore or with my parents anymore oh, no. yeah oh no I, it was just a, a friend of mine who who you'll know very well ned ned bolton yeah. who i know you traveled around the tour of britain he was he told me because i was at the giro d'italia recently with ned commentating and um he said, I said, I'm going to be speaking to Marianne. He said, oh, that, that should be a good conversation. Ask her about the cat. <laughs> um, because the, the nickname is really funny, isn't it? Because Skieki means rolly in English, which is basically a roll-up cigarette. Yeah. I mean, what a, a, a funny name. Who, na- <laughs> who named the cat? 
Well, well, we came up with the name. My my mom mm, in, in the past, she uh, she she yeah, you know, well, she liked to to smoke. Uh, she she did stop now, so she uh, she's uh, she's not smoking anymore. But um, yeah, then we thought, okay, maybe it's a, it's a cool name to uh, to call the cat Shaggy Shaggy. Um, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's how it how it came and it also and actually it, that that's one of the, the things one of my former teammates where the cat is from she was called tabak which is uh uh tobacco and ah, right. so, okay. uh, so she she is the she's the one where we got the name from right okay fair enough fair enough well what was just describe the feeling to me when you won your first world championships back in well 2006 wasn't it on the on the road what was what was that feeling like because you won you won solo and it was something that you clearly always wanted to wanted to do well every rider of course wants to wear the rainbow bands but what was that what was that feeling like to pull on your first rainbow jersey for the road well, in, in, in 2006 it was uh, my first elite championship um, in uh, yeah, in, in Salzburg then. And um, I wasn't a clear favorite. Well, actually, of course, as a first-year elite. Um, but, yeah, I had some, some good results. And for the Dutch team, um, yeah, we, we had a plan just to, yeah, to see how the race would develop and which rider would end up in the best situation to, to be able to go for a good result. And um, I was in some breaks, uh one time with three in the lead and uh, the next lap uh, again with three, but we ended up with a, with a smaller or yeah, with a somewhat bigger group in, into the, to, to the final lap. And I was with one Dutch teammate, Chantal Beltman. And yep. um, she was way more experienced. Um, so yeah, it was good to have her around and, it was, uh, yeah, for me, uh, already a dream to be in the final of a world championship. But I also felt, okay, this is just a normal race. I like, I, I didn't really feel big pressure. Uh, I just wanted to do well. Um, so it was a that was a good sensation, I think, to be in that that position in that race. And then Chantal came to me and what do you want to do? As he said, yeah, you're probably the fastest in this group. So try to save your legs and position well, and then do what you do best. And that's sprint, sprint to the, to the line as fast as you can. And she would go for a, for a break to yeah mess up the, the, the group a little bit. Uh, she would try to go yep. for an attack and to tire the others. And uh, yeah, so my task was to try and save myself and position well. And yeah, then to start the sprint and to feel okay, I have a I have a small gap, I have a margin, and probably I'm gonna keep it. Um, yeah, that excitement crossing that line. And um, first, I didn't really realize that I got world champion. Um, it, it really needed some time to sink in. Yeah, and and um, how did that kind of how did that change you? Obviously, you'd already had success. Um, on other in other disciplines, but how did that change you as a person winning that the road title, or did it change you? Um, well, I, I don't know if it really changed me as a person, but uh, it probably changed the percep- perception from people towards me, and that also, yeah, uh, 
that wasn't always easy because yeah I, f- I felt I had to uh, make up for the expectations that, that people uh, yeah were up to towards me and yeah wearing the rainbows as a, as a 19 year old um, I have to say it, it wasn't that easy um, because I really wanted to do well uh, every every time I uh, wanted to uh, yeah to to speak out well in, in public uh, and of course uh, yeah there was so much going on around me and uh, and I wasn't really prepared for that that um, yeah that that year I had I really had to get used to being a, a public person um, sure. but yeah of course it was also great to be able to wear the, the rainbow jersey uh, for that year and uh, yeah being able to to put it on every day while training and racing. And and did you who who helped you during that period? I mean, was there anybody important in your life that kind of helped you cope with that? Because obviously, something that ultimately only only you can um, can make the difference on the bike. But was there anybody else at that particular time that really helped you kind of um, grow through and, and mature as as a rider? Was it all? Was it all? just you was it were you very very kind of um focused on yourself well uh, of course in the end uh, you have to find your way yourself through it but um i think yeah definitely the people around me had have had a very important role and well my my parents and family uh but also team and, and even friends because yeah of course it's nice to uh, to go back to people uh that that know you who you are as, as who you are and yeah. not uh, only as as the one that made a result or only as the one that, that is world champion um, so I think um, yeah this is the way how I uh, work myself uh, through it and uh, found out okay this is who I want to be and this is who I want to uh, want to be in, in, in public I mean I don't want to be a, a different person uh, in public than who I am for real yeah um and what um when you look back at your career now i mean it's been it's just i mean you've obviously been being compared to eddie Merckx, which is you know which is a kind of strange thing but when you look at your results i mean you are an absolute phenomenon but but when you look back over your career and look at the races that you won the experiences you've had what do you think has been the biggest thing that you've learned not as a rider but as a person well, yeah, with, with sports, you you learn so many things, and uh, it's not only the big wins or whatever that that makes make them the the biggest learning lessons. I think it's a it's it's the setbacks or it's it's yeah it's a whole career that in the end will uh, give me yeah the the best life lessons and. Um, Maybe the thing that I've learned, and it sounds probably weird, that uh, but the thing that I've learned is that results or medals or uh, big wins don't bring happiness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's about the way. It's about the road. It's about the daily life. It's about having good people around you. It's just enjoying the things that you do that make you happy instead of uh, results. Yeah. I mean, I know you had 
after you won the Olympic Games in 2012. Um, well, 20, 2015, you had a year out. You were, you were suffering from some, some injuries and, and kind of chronic fatigue. I mean, what did you do during 2015 um, to kind of rejuvenate yourself? Obviously, you, you put the bike to one side. You took a bit of a rest. But how did you kind of re-find yourself do, during that difficult time? Well, I, actually, again, I um, found people around me that knew me as a person and on, not only as a rider. And I think this was a very important uh, lesson for me as well, that um, yeah. that it's that life isn't only about cycling. And um, yeah, that gave me fantastic insights uh, yeah, about who I am and about who I want to be and about the years that were in yeah ahead of me. Um, so I think that, yeah, maybe this, these couple of months off, uh, have been the best lesson for me in, uh, in life, but, um, um, yeah, the people around me that really that were there for me and, um, yeah, I've, I've learned that it's, it's okay to not be always in the in the best shape or best form and it's okay to uh, have some troubles it's it's okay to uh to show your weakness sometimes uh and that's even a strength so that, that yeah that's probably something that i've learned from that period and i've also learned to um uh, what i said before um um yeah enjoy more uh, what I'm doing in uh, in everyday life. And, and what kind of things do you like to do off off the bike? If you don't mind me asking, what what I know you you get a lot of delight from riding, um, but you know we love other things as well. Because cycling, although it's beautiful, it's it's hard, isn't it? The, the grind of training and um, but what what makes you really happy when you're not riding? What's the kind of what kind of things you like to get up to? Well, it's 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 not even the, the big things. I mean, I can enjoy having. A really nice breakfast and having time for that, or I can yeah. enjoy a coffee ride, being out on a terrace and having a having having a small coffee in in the sun. Uh, I can enjoy a sunset um, when there's a when there's no wind and just a small walk. So yeah, it's it's not the big things that. Uh, that makes a difference for me. Um, so yeah, having spending time with uh, yeah with with friends, family, uh, being at home, just uh, enjoying some some time for myself, and uh, I think that's yeah that's the things that uh, that I've learned. And re- relaxation is uh, is even as important as as training and racing. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, especially when you reach a, attain a certain level. I mean, uh, I know, I mean, a good example, obviously, um, Tom de Moulin riding for Jumbo Visma took some time out, and I think there's so much pressure on on athletes, you know, young or old, and it's uh, it's really important that you kind of mention that sometimes you just need to step away and just just remind yourself uh, that there are other things, and uh, because this is such a difficult sport, and and the spotlight um, on 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 some of the most more successful riders, the pressure on young riders as well now is immense, isn't it? I mean, have you seen like a, a positive change over the last decade in, in relation to the way that um, riders are treated under pressure? Do you think it's getting better? Do you think it's getting worse? 
Um, well, it's it's hard to to tell if there's any change. Of, of course, the uh, how you perceive pressure that's that's different, and it's different for everybody, and it's different for uh, for everybody in a different situation, in a different team, or mm. a different environment. Um, and I think most of the pressure uh, comes from from the person itself. So of course yeah. there is an environment that can add some pressure, um, but we're yeah we're all athletes and we all want to do well. So we we put most of the pressure on ourselves and we want to perform. And when things go wrong, we put even more pressure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there is there is a change in uh, well uh, being able to speak out of some from uh, mental problems or um, so I, I think that's that's a good change. Um, but in the end, yeah, like I say, um, there there is there will be always pressure, and it's how you cope with that, and it's how you. Uh, how how the people around you uh, help you with that? And I think it's always good to, if you, if you have any problems, to uh, yeah, to be able to speak with that about it with people around you. Um, and then yeah, uh, sports is I think one of the most important things to remind is is just sports. I mean we're yeah, we're yeah. riding from A to B. And it's of course it's nice to cross the line as first at B, but um, it's not the end of the world when it doesn't happen. And, and there are so many bigger things and more important things. And uh, of course, it's it's not good to always um, yeah think think that way. I mean, when you're in a final of a race, it, it, yeah, you, you must fry, fight for it, and you must go for it. And then it's an important thing. But um, I think it's it's good to sometimes just also think okay it's uh, it's just bike racing definitely definitely um can you can you hear can you hear something random question alert oh, oh. random question alert random okay. question alert i don't know it yeah is time sorry about for a this random question um mariana um basically on the podcast um we have what's called a random question generator okay and uh, a random question has now been generated by the computer um <laughs> and and i've just they installed it in my loft um it's like an old computer from the 1980s and i've just torn off a piece of paper and it's got this question i've never seen this before marianne um and here it is it's random so please forgive me um mm. what uh, what song changed your life Wow! Wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I have yeah. to come up with some deep, very, very good story, of course. But oh, well, I actually don't really have a, a song that really changed my life. I don't don't really think. Mm, okay. Mm. What, what about? Is there a song that you say when you're riding on the turbo or warming up for a TT? that really gets you fired up? Is there a song that really gets you in the zone? Uh, maybe like a disc, maybe a bit of ABBA, for example, a bit of Dancing <laughs> Queen. I'm a, big, I'm a big ABBA fan, you see. Well, um, well, I, I, I have to admit there is one song, it didn't change my, my life, but uh, there is <laughs> that, that has some story and that's uh, Lose Yourself from Eminem. Okay, and, yeah, um, right, okay. 
yeah, I, I, I really liked the, the, the lyrics and I wasn't really, I mean, I wasn't the fangirl of Eminem, but uh, well, I, I liked his, uh, his style. And, um, so it, this song was, was a song that could fire me up. And then at one moment, uh, I think in leading up to the Olympic games of 2012, our, yeah. uh, former national coach, he put it one of the uh, sentences on our, uh, year plan. So really? it oh, was right. one okay. of my favorite numbers and the songs and he, he put it on the, on the year plan. So, and then as a bonus for this whole story at the start line of the Olympic games, yeah, which number was played? Lose yourself of Eminem. So um, we, Seriously? as as, as the right. Dutch as the Dutch team, we were in on the first line of the, yeah, of the uh, the, the start line, and we looked to each other, and yeah, okay, we felt we're ready, we're ready to go, and uh, let's uh, go for it. Blimey, that's a I, well, just to complete the circle. Um, do you do you have any kind of feel? Do you have any feelings now, right right this moment? that you had then on the start line about a certain person being near to you. <laughs> I, I, it was me. I was, I was driving the lead car in the Olympic games road race that you won. <laughs> ah, oh, that must have been, that must have made made a difference that day. I think. See, I could, I could just see, I was, I was the car just about hundred meters in front watching you um, in my, in my wing mirror. I was driving the UCI, the UCI oh, wow. uh, uh, kind of uh, well, commissaire. So yeah, it was, uh, and it was an awful day, wasn't it? Pouring yeah. down with rain, but the, the crowds were still out there, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, um, it was, I, I was amazing. impressive. I mean, there was so many people out in, in the pouring rain and you know, well, as you say, you were driving that car. That car was for for like half an hour. The only thing we we could see, we, we only could yeah. see the rear lights <laughs> of the of, of the front car. So um, we're happy to follow something because it was wow. so black and gray from yeah from from the rain that day. But it was yeah a fantastic experience. Of course, looking back, uh, it is those memories of that race uh, when when things work out well then of course it's it's only with a big smile you can look back on on these uh yeah on, on this day now that is um, what a lovely way to bring that story together from your the song that kind of changed your life it didn't really change your life but it was lose yourself then it ended up with me in the car and then we then we talk about the olympics wonderful because i was going to ask you about about the olympics anyway just I know I've already asked you to talk about the, your first world champ, your first world championships win on the road, but the Olympics must have been obviously it must have been so so sweet, especially coming off the back of was it five second places in the world road championships or something crazy? A year on year, you just got the silver medal, and then you went to the Olympics and you won it. I mean, and you were in, in that breakaway. There's three of you with Lizzie, wasn't there? And what coming into the last kilometer? What was going through your head? Because we know that we obviously know Lizzie is very fast, isn't she? So what were you kind of thinking uh, coming into the final kilometer? What was going through your mind? I'm intrigued to know. Yeah, well, I was so incredibly nervous. Um, you just mentioned the five second places in the world championships, and of course, I knew it wasn't the same thing, and it was just a new race and new chances. Um, yeah. But of course, in psychology, it's it's always or it's it's the worst thing to think about what not to do. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I entered the final kilometer and I, I only thought, okay, not second again. So, okay, yeah. no, try to focus on, on what I have to do instead of what I'm not going to do. So, um, yeah, I, I knew I had a chance against Lizzie and Zabalinskaya was the other rider. Um, yeah. She wasn't the best sprinter or she isn't the best sprinter. So, but still, of course, you have to, <laughs> yeah, you still have to have to do it. Um, and um, Zabalinskaya uh, took, took the first position. Um but Lizzie is a is a very fast fast rider, and especially after a race like that, uh, where mm-hmm. we went full gas for the last hour uh, with the three of us, um, we we emptied ourselves to stay ahead of the bunch. And then you don't know how a sprint will go. I mean, I yeah. I felt my legs probably she did, she did too, but you don't know if you still have the yeah have the acceleration left in your uh, in your legs. So I got really nervous, and um, I only thought, okay, don't go too early because uh, the finish on on the mall uh, with Buckingham Palace in the background uh, was a is a very wide road. Uh, yeah. Especially when you're only with three, um, you see the line from so far that it's pre- pretty easy to make the mistake to go too early and then uh, yeah, to blow up. So I tried to stay calm, uh, to yeah. wait. And then, yeah, this immense sound from, from the people that were cheering on, along the, the roads, it was amazing. Uh, but still trying to stay calm and, and wait for the right moment to, to go. And when I accelerated, I felt I had still something in, in, in my legs, but I, I also felt Lizzie coming next to me, but she luckily only came next to me and not, not past me. So that final 10 meters, um, yeah, I think that was the most, intense satisfaction uh, from my career i've uh, yeah i've had fantastic that's fantastic that's a really wonderful way of d- describing it you can almost like well i remember because i'd i'd driven ahead by that point and i turned the car around so i was watching you come towards us um i saw the sprint unfold and um, and uh, and heard and heard the crowd as well it was it was magnificent and um and you could tell all the photo- all the photographs and the images of the day you can see the joy etched on your face in that in that cry as you as you came across the line absolutely absolutely magnificent stuff magnificent um i'm going to change the pace now i'm going to i'm just going to just i don't know what i'm just going to change the pace i'm going to ask you a kind of a different question um and it's one i do ask all of my guests especially guests who be, who are professional riders um i'm going to ask you to sum up every single one of your teams that you've ridden for in one word Okay, so we'll start off with Team DSB, who you rode for for four, four, three or four years. In one word, I'd like you to sum up the experience of riding for that team, or just sum the team up in one word for me. Then we'll move on to your next teams. Whoa! Uh. Yeah, so you have one word to sum up Team DSB. Um, oof, uh, no. Well, English is not my mother tongue, so it's, that's okay. It's, don't, don't you're you're doing very well. <laughs> it's always <Don't. laughs> yeah, but it's always hard to find then the, the exact right word. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a good question. I like this one. It really you can hear. I can hear your mind working. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
yeah it was it was such a, of course it was such a good four years so it's difficult to find and to 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 etch that in 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 only one word but um um Hi, it's me again. Sorry to interrupt. Now, if you haven't already noticed, Marianne is a bit of a perfectionist, so much so that she took literally 27 minutes to complete this segment. It's that attention to detail which probably makes her so successful. At the podcast headquarters, we realise you might not be a successful perfectionist yourself, and so we've taken the liberty to heavily edit this segment so you can get on with your bang average, underachieving day. Cheers! Well... Well, I, th- I think, yeah, well, maybe, maybe growth. I mean, growth. growth. Okay. That's a good word. Because yeah, okay. we were, we, we were, we started, we started off small. Um, mm. We didn't end up as the biggest team, but we were there to develop ourselves. We, um, well, our, our coach, uh, manager, coach, um, he yeah he wanted to all his riders to to grow and for me also the plan to go not to the biggest team out there um, was to be able to explore myself and to to grow um, yeah. and I got this uh, this opportunity there so probably this is the, the best okay. worth. Well, I, I like that's that's a really good explanation. So next team. Um, Nederland, is it Bluit? Bluit? Yeah. Yep. Nederland so Bluit. one word. Uh, Nederland Bluit. So one word. Two years he spent with that team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> probably we were just all friends. Friends? Yeah. That's a nice, yeah. That, I, that's what a lovely word, friends. Okay, growth, friends. Next up, we're going to, well, it's Rabobank. So one, two, three, five years at Rabobank. So sum up. Your five years, very successful years, as we know, in one word, Rabobank. Oof, vital might be, yeah. might be a good thing okay. because I mean, for for me as a rider, it had, have been vital years in my career. I think Rabobank yeah. was a vital sponsor back in that these days for 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 cycling, and especially for Dutch cycling, and even more for. Uh, women cycling so yeah of course i think it's course. a good it's okay. it's the right thing okay good stuff well we've got <laughs> we've got still got three more teams um wm3 instincts probably <laughs> instinct okay yeah that's great this is some great words growth friends vital instinct good stuff okay i love the name of this team and you know it's wow deals what a brilliant name Wow, deals. So, what, <laughs> what, what, what? Can we just say wow, wow. or is that not quite right? <laughs> yeah, we're wow deals. Um, wow, well, mm, team would be a team. Great. Okay. Good. I like that. That's a good one. And and I, again, um, I know. Is it fair to say we're going to move on to CCC and then Yumbo Visma very quickly in a second? But is it fair to say, Marana, that? You're you're a bit of a perfectionist, aren't you? Yeah, I am. So yeah, the, these kind yeah. of questions aren't so easy for me. I, 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 I really, <laughs> I really want to give the right answer, and probably there's no wrong. But I'm gonna look back at this interview and then think, oh no, what did I do? Uh, I know this is this is the beauty of this 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 small little segment. I do this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, okay, CCC. Have you ever thought of how difficult these questions are? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> 
Yes, I have. Unexpected. Unexpected. Okay, I like that. I like some of these words are fantastic. Unexpected. Okay. And finally, we're up to date. 2021, Yumbo Visma. Okay, you've, you've only got a few months, but it's been a successful few months. Added to the biggest races to your Palmares. And it looks like you've got a very, very solid team. So one word so far for Yumbo Visma. They really go for quality. So quality, I think quality. that's the thing. Oh, okay. That's great. I'm going to read them all out to you. Just the, just the words. Growth, friends, vital, instinct, team, unexpected, and quality. Ah. That's, that's some great words. <laughs> There's some great words. Thank you very, very much indeed. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and thanks for that. Was, I, don't, I think that nearly took 20 minutes. Um, I, I, I was going to ask you to hurry up, but um, I thought I couldn't say to, to Mariana Voss to hurry up. <laughs> You'd leave the podcast. So thank you very much for, uh, for being so thoughtful on that one. Now, you were... You're going to have to help me on this because we've got a quiz coming up. I've got a little quiz for you. Every every guest I have on the quiz, uh, on sorry, on the podcast, um, I have a hometown quiz. Now you're from S. Hertogenbosch. Hertogenbosch. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Um, and it's it, and it's also known as Denbosch, isn't it? Which is easier to say. Yeah. Um, so now it's time for the Denbosch quiz. The Denbosch quiz. Okay, I'm very curious because I'm I'm only born in the in the city, so I I, I live very close to Sertogenbosch for 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 a long time. So I have to know some things about it, but I'm I'm not that much of a city person so i'm not that don't worry that good I, don't I, worry. i'm already the, the, trying to to get myself out excuses. <laughs> well don't worry because all the quizzes that i do they're multiple choice okay so I, I so you can't get it wrong really i'm going to give you uh each there's four questions each one has four possible answers so you just choose the best one good okay so question number one okay on the Denbosch coat of arms, what stands either side of the black and gold shield, which is topped with a crown? So on the Denbosch coat of arms, what stands either side of the, of the shield? Is it A, a man and a woman holding wooden clubs with only leaves covering their groin, their modesty? B, two women with wooden clubs wearing only leaves? C, two men with wooden clubs wearing only leaves. Or D, one man with a club and then a deer standing on its hind legs wearing a gold crown. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. So I have one of those is no idea. One of those is. One of those is correct. Three I made up. It, oh, yeah. um, well, it's uh, well, a good uh, imagination, and but well, well, it's probably it's a, a, a pretty old weapon. So I yes, I guess it's just two male male guys. That's correct. Correct. There we go. Hundred <laughs> percent so far. Good stuff. It's two blokes with clubs, both with beards. And both not wearing any pants, what's, what's but wearing leaves. 
Uh, the basically, it's a it's a black and white. I don't know what the story is. Maybe you'll have to. You can do some research, maybe maybe afterwards. Yeah, um, I will. But I don't. I don't know what the story is. I don't know what this. But it's yet yeah, that is the the coat of arms. So well done, hundred percent so far. Three more questions left. Yeah. Question number two, Mariana. Okay. Hidden below the old city is a canal network called the um, Binendies. Okay. Yeah. So it was basically a subterranean. Uh, canal system that was built over over the over hundreds of years and now you can actually travel underneath as you, uh, you might you might have done but how many kilometers long was this canal system was it a 17 kilometers b 19 kilometers c 22 kilometers or d 25 kilometers so the underground network well how many kilometers long the thing is i still have to do this so I've I've never yeah. been in the canals. I've never done the uh, done the tour. So okay. that's still on the list, and I have no yeah. idea. But yeah, let's say um, B. It's not. It's it's C. Twenty two kilometers uh-huh. of canals. Uh, but you're still doing okay. You still got fifty percent of the questions <laughs> right, uh, Mariana. So don't so don't worry. Okay, Th- this is probably my favorite question actually. Um, question number three. In 2004, what major international award was bestowed on Den Bosch? So Den Bosch, the city, was given an award, okay? Was it A, the European Cream Cake City of the Year um, for the for the Boscher Bowl? Yeah. Was it B, the European Fortress City of the Year for the giant fortress that is in the city, of course? Was it C, the European Carnival City of the Year, because, of course, Den Bosch is famed for its carnivals, or was it, D, the European Market Square City of the Year? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, they're pretty well-known of the carnival. Um, The Mm. square is pretty big, but I don't think there is a European award of the year for, for, for those things. Um. Mm, yeah, let's go for uh, for the fortress. Correct. <laughs> well done. Yeah, yeah. I, I really I like the idea of it getting an award for the cream cake of the year, though. Do you? I, I really do. <laughs> but but so, so anyway, you should, you should go to the balls and have have that. I mean, that that should really get an award. True. I mean, that's even yeah, that's even better to to get an award for than the, for the fortress. Have you tried one? Because they're apparently they're really big, aren't they? Like a round shoe bun full of cream, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course I've tried one. Yeah, it's uh, and when you're ever in in Dembos, you should have one. I will try. I'll definitely try. Well, question number four. Um, so you've got uh, yeah, like thirty three percent right so far. Uh, sorry, seventy seven percent right. Final question: What is the name of Denbosch's pro basketball team? Is it? Oh. A, the basket heroes of Dembosch. Is it B, the old heroes of Dembosch? Was it C, the top heroes of Dembosch? Or was it D, the new heroes of Dembosch? Oh, oh, I'll get so bad if I don't know that. <laughs> so basket heroes, old heroes, top heroes, or the new heroes? Top heroes. It's the new heroes. What are you oh, from? 
I, I don't know. That's just the name of the team. I've got no idea why they call the new heroes. <laughs> I just like the idea of calling them the top heroes for some reason because they use that word in Europe quite a lot. Top, but uh, you've basically got fifty percent there, ah, so that's still pretty good. Not so bad. That's still pretty good. That's still pretty good. So well done on the quiz and a round of applause from our studio audience. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you some quick questions now because you've been great. Um, we had a few Wi-Fi problems early on, but I'm going to ask you some kind of rapid-fire questions now. Um, although the first one might take you a little bit longer. Mariana, what would the Grand Prix Mariana Voss look like? If money was no object, um, you had the Mariana Voss Grand Prix, what course would it be on? What country would it be in? Oh, well, probably it would be in Holland because uh, I'm from Holland too. Of course. I'd be happy. Well, I have I have had my my own race, uh, Marianne Vos Festival. Um, it was around my my area, and um, actually, it was the kind of thing I I would really uh, have to have back and like to have back. And it was a a junior race, uh, uh, so under um, under sixteen, under eighteen women. Uh, girls race uh, elite women race and uh grand fondo different different uh, uh, distances and oh, it's okay. races so actually it was um yeah it was a festival for uh, for all for different kind of riders just enjoying uh a day out on the bike uh, and, yeah. and so that that's the kind of festival i would uh, go back to it's not a Grand Prix, but um, it's everybody on bikes just enjoying their day. Which sounds which sounds amazing, and hopefully eating um, Bosch and Bol cakes at the end <laughs> as well. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, that was part of the that was part of the deal. Um, okay, if you could only ride one bike for the rest of your life, would it be a road bike, a cross bike, a town bike, or a mountain bike? Oof. Yeah, and they said, "I'm, I'm sorry." They, you got this phone call, and they said, "I'm sorry, we can we can only ride one more bike for the rest of your life." Oh. But this is the choice. It's a you know, it's an awkward question, Marilyn. But I'm really interested to see what you what you what you would choose for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I liked yeah. them all, and it's different if it, it's different if I think about racing and about my career, and then afterwards and yeah uh, let's assume uh, let's assume afterwards though so you let's say you've finished yeah. uh, but you you've got one bike to pick for the rest of your life what are you going to go for well, I'm, I'm, I'm probably keen to to pick the mountain bike then to have more opportunities oh. to ride my bike in different areas different countries and to be able to go on this smallest gear that you don't have to really have to push yourself <laughs> yeah that sounds that sounds perfect yeah that sounds absolutely perfect Okay, this is a bit of a strange one, but I quite I kind of like it. If Jumbo Visma phoned you up after you know gave you a call and the, and the manager spoke to you and said, Mar- "Mariana, I'm really really sorry, we can't pay you in money for this year, but we can pay you in cakes. What cake would you choose to be paid in?" <laughs> oh, I would I would pick the, probably the most terrible cake because uh, otherwise I w- I would eat it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's I I like your thinking that's oh okay okay but otherwise it would be or a very 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 good baked cheesecake or a, the oh. best carrot cake with the creamy top oh yeah 
Um, oh, the thick icing. Oh, I love yeah. carrot cake with thick icing. So one of these two, but then, yeah, like I say, if I choose, I would choose, then then that would probably be the end of my career. <laughs> Just imagine that, though. Uh, make the head, it, it would make the headlines. I mean, yeah, uh, Mariana Voss leaves Jumbo Visma because she refused to be paid in cakes. Uh, there we go. Imagine that as a headline. Okay. Okay. You've been great. I've just got a couple more little things to ask you. And, and one of them's a slightly more serious question, but one that I think is is, is a fascinating one. Um, now, obviously, looking ahead towards Tokyo, you've been announced um, as part of the, the, the team for the Netherlands for, for the Tokyo Olympics. You've already got a gold medal back in 2012, as we talked about. Um, but what's it like being in the Dutch team that is so, so strong. I mean, the team has been picked as Anna van der Breggen, Annemiek van Vleuten and Demi, uh, Demi Vollering and yourself. I mean, all of you are going to want to win, but how do you work it out between you? Because you're clearly all kind of leaders, aren't you? We're all capable of winning on, on the day, but how do you kind of balance that in the race? I know that's a kind of a difficult question, but for the last few years in every kind of like world championships, the Dutch have fielded such an amazing team how do you work as a unit? How do you work together? How, what's the dynamic like between you all? Well, well, to make it into the squad is already, of course, <laughs> a big thing. And uh, the only thing you can do is try to do your best and to be at your best level. And um, we we all have faith that and we all believe that the, the national coaches is, is uh being honest and making the best selection for the circuit or for the world championships and in this case the Olympic uh, games. Um, so then, yeah, to finally make it into that selection, of course, that's a, that's a big honor to be able to, to be in this team. And then, yeah, uh, we know each other really well. So we knew, we know, uh, our strengths. Um, and we also know, and, that yeah, that there is different opportunities for different riders, and we just yeah. want to be sure, uh, yeah, that that we go for the best opportunity on that moment. And yeah. I think we're all, uh, yeah, we we all want to do well, uh, but the, we we are all fair to each other, and we're all that open, and yeah, we just um, try our best. And when somebody is in the best position, and uh, then that's her chance to to shine that's her chance to go and uh, yeah until then we all just try to reach our best level uh, to be um, as a strong squad at the, as the strongest squad we can be at the, at the start line and of course the national coach is uh, has a very important role in there um, yeah but yeah I think um, we, we're all uh, we, we all know each other and we all know that we just want to uh, go for for the best result for for the team. Yeah, no, that's uh, it is. I mean, when you look at this, I don't think there's any. I think it's to be fair when you look across. Although the you know, women's cycling is in the best place it's ever been, I don't. I think it's fair to say that there isn't a national team quite like it, is there? Um, in relation to the strength, you it's a wealth of riches. I mean, that must bring its own kind of problems. But really, if you, all four of you get to the Tokyo on form, um, one of you should, you know, should should get the gold medal it's um, well, it's a tantalizing prospect you know it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting one isn't it and uh, that's that's an interesting thought because i think that's that's also um yeah that could also be a weakness if if, if we think that mm. way i mean it's not that that there's a golden medal 
already uh, for the Dutch team. Um, we have to be at our best. We have to do a good race. Uh, we can't make any mistakes. We, um, yeah, it's it's still the race ha- has to be ridden, and yeah, um, yeah. I think we we all know this. And um, yeah, we're uh, we're we're not um, yeah there to just grab that medal. We're uh, all going to. Give give our best. Yeah, well, that's uh, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting race. That that is that is for sure. And, and just one last question, just to, to, just to sum things up, really. And and again, I must thank you for your time and being so generous with your with your thoughts as well. But just can you just just describe to me? I mean, you're you're 34 years of age now. You've had a, a, a incredible career um, and still winning the biggest races that there is. But looking back over the last decade. What's it like experiencing the kind of change in women's cycling that we've seen, this real acceleration, this real understanding? People are investing in the sport a lot more. There's still a lot of work to be done. But what's it been like for you uh, to be, you know, set, kind of front and centre of all of that over the last 10 years? And what do you think still kind of needs to be done? Yeah, I think it's it's such an incredible progress uh, that women's cycling has made over the, over the last decade. Um and if you compare uh, 10 years ago with now, it, it's such a huge step that you can't even imagine that, that it went yeah. from there to where it's now. And then, of course, um, you could you could think or say or uh, hope that yeah, there is still steps to, step, steps to take and um, there is still progress uh, possible. But um, yeah, being able to, to look at the at the change that I've seen uh, over the years uh, in my career. Um, I'm very happy with the place we are now and uh, with the uh, with the fan base that is behind cycling, that with, with the big teams that stepped in, with the, the big sponsors, uh, the, the, the cycling manufacturers, the uh, bigger organizations that all see the value yeah. of women cycling. Um, yeah. yeah, that that is huge. And now, um, if you look at the races now, I think it's it's a very high level, and I'm I'm, I'm yeah. pretty happy to see that uh, more and more people are able to follow it, uh, are yeah. able to uh, go into it, and and to see more of the team and to know more of the background. Because then, of course, when you get to know it better, uh, it's more interesting to follow. Uh, instead of, of only looking at some different colored helmets, uh, you know the story behind the teams. You know the story behind the rider, and yeah, you really identify with with a team or with a rider. Um, so that yeah. is making the difference now, and that will even make a, a bigger difference for for the years that are coming. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And of course, you know, Olympic Games, and then Paris-Roubaix. I mean that's that's and then the tour de, the tour de France next year as well for women. There's there's, there's still um, there's so, so much to be excited about and to look forward to. Have you done any recons for Paris Roubaix? Well, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, of course, this will this will be a new thing. It has been uh, on the calendar, so I think there's a have there have been a, a lot of reckons already. Uh, yeah, yeah, of but, course. Um, yeah. Sorry, yeah, of course. But for now, um, yeah, it's uh, 
it's yeah it's gonna happen the first one is uh, is gonna be there in uh, in october and uh, i think all the bunch is uh, scared and excited at the same time yeah that sounds fantastic brilliant stuff well mariana thank you so much again um for joining me on the podcast it's been a, it's been a real pleasure um it's been lovely to get to know you a little bit and thanks for thanks for having fun with us as well but uh, i do wish you uh, all the very best for the rest of the season and hopefully you will catch up soon and uh, enjoy the rest of your training camp too thank you very much and uh, well good luck bit with editing my uh, long thoughts and uh, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be easy to to have all this this quiet moments to fill this with uh, <laughs> with some good sound but thank you very much no worries thanks very much take care okay bye bye well, that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I was delighted to speak with a rider of the calibre of Mariana Voss. I was actually pretty nervous beforehand, but luckily we have a shared affection for cakes, and a common ground was met. Lovely stuff. Thanks to Perry Apgwinner for the podcast theme tune, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the pod, and why not recommend it to new heroes Den Bosch? If you see a bunch of seven-foot-tall Dutchmen in need of a cycling-related but largely tangential podcast to listen to. And finally, a massive thanks again to Mariana for joining us on the podcast today. I hope she continues to enjoy a successful season in 2021, and I'll certainly be watching out for her and the Dutch team at the Olympics in Tokyo. Cheers all, stay safe, and goodbye.